Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Belruth Naperstek. Belruth is a psychotherapist, author, speaker, and guided imagery pioneer, and also the creator of Health Journey's guided imagery audio series, helping listeners to manage stress, chronic illness, and emotional challenges. Her first book, Staying Well with Guided Imagery, is a widely used primer on imagery and healing. Her second book, Your Sixth Sense, has been translated into nine languages. Her book on imagery and post-traumatic stress, Invisible Heroes, Survivors of Trauma and How They Heal, won the Spirituality and Health Top 50 Books Award and was called the most useful book for trauma survivors to be published in the last decade. As Prevention Magazine has noted, Bell Ruth has been quietly creating an underground revolution among mainstream health and mental, mental health bureaucracies by persuading major institutions to distribute her guided imagery recordings, in most instances free of charge to, recep- to recipients. Welcome, Bell Ruth. Cheryl, happy to be here. <laughs> Those recipients out there. <laughs> I know they're everywhere. <laughs> I've really been immersed in your guided imagery leading up to today, and so I must say I'm feeling quite well. So <laughs> I'll start by saying thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, you've made me also realize just how much the people who've been healing in my life have integrated imagery in their various ways. Um, Mm. And I'm sure we'll get around to some of that in the interview. But I wonder if you would start just by, for people who really haven't been exposed to guided imagery and might have some um, misinformed ideas about it, could you just say your understanding of guided imagery, where you're coming from with it? Sure. It's a... I like to think of it as a kind of deliberate, directed daydreaming that's guided, uh, often soothing words to music, and it's immersive, it's somewhat hypnotic, it, um, it's designed to help you imagine some state you aspire to be in. So that could be Healing, healing your cancer, helping your chemotherapy work better, getting prepared for surgery so that you may bleed a little bit less, helping you with depression so you can sort of get back in touch with your core energy that's been kind of buried in a fog of other stuff. So it's basically using all of the senses not just the visual sense, that's why we don't call it visualization, but using all of the senses to get um, a story, a healing story going in your head and your body. Mostly, in fact, your body, not your head so much. You know, 
I feel as if that's really crucial because I remember when I was first, oh my gosh, three or four decades ago, introduced to visualization, it was a very visual practice. Mm-hmm. And, and only 45% of the population is strongly wired visually. So you can see where a lot of people would think, well, I can't do that. Uh-huh. But anyway, because I'm sorry, I interrupted the, you. You were on your no, way. No, no, no. That, that's that's a very uh, good thing to bear in mind, that all those 55% who might be wired a different way would have a hard time connecting with, with a visual image. Right. And also, a visual image tends to be kind of two-dimensional. What you really want to do is have felt sense in the body, and you want to be able to hear and sense and smell and... Uh, taste even, any way you, you're wired, you want to bring that in so that the whole person is behind this intention. And it can be surprisingly effective. People often don't really know even which way they're wired till they try some of this. And even very skeptical people can get very involved with it if, if, the circumstances are, are right. So it's exciting. It's, it's, it's something to try. And um, I would say about 85% of the population can respond well to it. And about 15% either hate being asked to, you know, stay still or to be guided by somebody else's voice or uh, don't like to close their eyes. Would it, would it interrupt it? If someone was such a person who didn't like to close their eyes, if they simply kept them open? Uh, that's what, yeah, that, that's exactly what <laughs> I <want> to do. <laughs> you know, keep them open, keep them at half-mast. Uh, sometimes trauma survivors don't like to close their eyes, don't feel safe to do so. So we just say, just, just keep, them, keep them at half, keep your lids at half-mast. That's fine. I- I'm thinking of a very, very close friend of mine who's been a meditator since she was a teenager. She's in her late 60s now, and she has a condition where she can't close her eyes, and she'd ha- she's had to relearn how to meditate yes. with, with her eyes a little bit open after decades and decades and decades, but it's been doable. Yes. It's better than... It's better than losing the meditation practice. Oh, you bet. And <laughs> it, it is doable. It, it is a switch you can make. It's surprisingly switchable. Yes. You're, you're also making, uh, bringing, me, bringing to mind something I believe about therapy, which is that it doesn't work unless it's an experience. Ah. It, it, it doesn't really work as an idea. So yes. as I was listening to your, your um, tapes... Uh, I was so aware how experiential they were because of the because of the body um, touchstones that yeah. I can imagine people finish and they do feel as if they've had an experience, not just been exposed to an idea. Yes, and and they'll actually look different. They'll their um, their skin tone will be have a more of a pink undertone, regardless of what their natural coloring is, because. More blood has gone to the head. Their face will be more still. Their wrinkles will be ironed out somewhat. Their voices will be lower. Their breath will be slower. Sometimes they'll have tingling sensations, but people look different. You know they've had an experience, and mm. it's, 
it's not it's not fakeable. <laughs> you yeah. know, given the the purpose of this show to talk about transformation through loss. Of course, in loss, which trauma is always a loss, I think you mentioned in your book, you know, uh, in your book about trauma, uh, mm-hmm. trauma is a loss, whatever the trauma is, totally agreed. And then there's, there's of course, the specifics of losing someone to death. Or People get very out of touch with who they are below the painful experience they're having. Yeah. Uh, does is that do you believe part of how it's working that that people are actually connecting with who they are beyond that or um, yes, I it mean, seemed I, that I way never, I never conceptualized it quite that way but yes I think that's right and I mean part of the I think the power in the imagery for traumatic stress is in fact to get people not over above you know, not floating up and out of their experience, but diving deeper into themselves under the trauma. And, um, you know, I, I have them in the imagery actually entering their own broken hearts, but they reach a place ben- even beneath that in their hearts where there's a part of them that is that is radiant, still beautiful, and can never be destroyed. And uh, th- I think that idea that, that you can go deeper into yourself to find yourself under the pain is, yeah, that's, that's, that's where the healing can really happen, I think. It reminds me of, some, of a story. I spent a lot of time when my wife was ill with Stephen Levine. And he, (laughs) speaking of guided imagery, (laughs) though he was was my first teacher. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. I I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I don't mind. I don't mind interruptions (laughs) one bit. Um, Anyway, he used to tell this story about a person in a workshop who had experienced childhood sexual abuse. And they had done a meditation and people were telling stories of their transcendence and they were in the clouds and they were, you know, (laughs) all over the place, not in the room. And she raised her hand and said, that's all very nice, but what I'm looking for is a really good in-the-body experience. Yes. <laughs> that always so, stuck with me. I, it seems to me your your meditations, your guided imagery would lead in that direction to make the body safe again. Yes, yes. And, you know, most people are able to, to work with that. And, you know, it, but it's, it's always... It, it always depends on the state of readiness in the person who's doing it. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while for for some trauma survivors, especially survivors of childhood sexual abuse, to be willing to get back in there. You know, they're so used to coming out. On the other hand, they are so used to being in a somewhat dissociated state that when you give them a positive dissociated state, which is, you know, a hypnotic guided imagery that that leads to a positive outcome. They can do that too. The, the dissociated state is a very old friend. That's really a powerful idea, which I did pick up on in reading and listening. That that the same thing that was developed traumatically also can serve healing. Yeah. Uh, that seems very magical to me. Yeah, when I think I about like it, the idea that. 
that nothing, no experience is wasted. You know, no matter what happens to us, it can be deployed in some way, even if it has to be tweaked and transformed somewhat, but it can be used in other ways. It's not wasted. Mm. Not just pain. Absolutely. You know, I want to give people a little bit of a... We're going to be uh, sharing a couple of clips today. I want to stop now and give people a little bit of a of an idea or feel for what these sound like. Of course, they're maybe one hour long uh, guided meditations, and we're just going to play a little bit. But is there anything you'd like to say about the trip, uh, the clip from the trauma um, guided imagery before I go ahead and, and share that? Oh, thanks. Well, just that, you know, there is this... Um it's preceded, and I would say that the guided imagery part is probably about 25 minutes long, and then there are affirmations on a different segment. Uh, really, all people need is about 15 minutes to have a good impact. But, but in any case, people are sort of guided down into their bodies, so they are encouraged to sort of get back in touch with, with being inside of the body. And then this, um, this guide appears and basically uh, creates an invitation for a journey into, into the person's own broken heart. Which and I can't exactly remember where the clip starts. Well, let's just listen. Let's okay. just listen. Um, I I um, I think that'll tell it all. <laughs> okay, good. And there are gifts for you here, where you'd least expect to find them. And leaning down, picks up a luminous object from under the rubble and gives it to you for safekeeping. And it might feel warm in your hand, a perfect fit as you wrap your fingers around it and continue along your way. Noticing a golden light glowing up from the ground some distance away and walking toward it you slowly approach what looks like a glowing cave or hollow with a hazy golden light filtering out from it and you can see that this is a tunnel but like no other because it glows leading down into an older deeper part of your heart and so the two of you enter continuing to breathe deeply and easily even that little bit Belrose sort of transports at least <laughs> transports me uh, you know to, to kind of dive a little bit um, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining, you know, I've, I've been exposed to quite a bit of guided imagery, so I kind of have become pretty hypnotic about it, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, if yeah, I hear that tone, that kind of music, <laughs> I'm likely to just go, <laughs> um, but, but does it sometimes take more for people to go oh, along? Yes. 
Now, some people are naturals um, and and get very involved immediately, but most people, you know, definitely go more deeply and have a more intense experience the more they practice with it. So it it really is the opposite of addiction. The more you use, the less you need, you know. <laughs> I love that. The more you use, the less you need. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. Another, uh, Stephen Levine is really on my mind today. Another thing uh, he used to say is most addiction is a homesickness for God. Oh, lovely. Lovely. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he was should have known, my, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was one of my favorite uh, teachers. He just, he just, it was somebody special very much so and his wife too andrea yes andrea Um, yeah yeah we just recently she was just recently here for a memorial for him Uh, and it was so amazing to see her again because they've been quite uh remote for a while yeah staying on their land for some years now so it's lovely to see her in person again Uh, well we're getting ready for our Yes, absolutely. We're getting ready for our first break. It's sped by. Uh, Well, listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America to like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, etc. And to find Bell Ruth Naperstek, go to healthjourneys.com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. 
This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Bell Ruth Nupperstech about her seminal work with guided imagery and the different ways she's applied that in her, her career. And one thing I, I loved throughout is your reminders that it's there's no right way to do it. Uh, <laughs> there, uh, that's woven through and through. But I do find when I'm uh, when I'm working with anything unfamiliar to people, there's a a sizable percentage of the people who are afraid of doing it wrong, and they're very distracted by that. Right, and, and of course, and, uh, and if you're in the part of your brain that's worrying about doing it wrong, of course, you're in the non-hypnotic. Uh, you know, left, leftish side of the brain that's, that's going to impede your ability to enjoy, you know, an immersive experience. So it's what I like to say to people, and it's absolutely true, is you can fall asleep and it will still bring you benefits. You don't even have to be conscious. So uh, that that can help people with their, you know, their worry about doing it exactly right. Yes. For a long time, I had people take their shoes off when they came to my office. Uh-huh. Many of them still do. And it was that same thing of somehow getting it, th- getting through that it's not an environment of production. Yes. What a uh, thing. I love that. That would immediately uh, communicate casual comfort, um, informality. How smart! Oh, I like that. <laughs> I I have to claim that it wasn't. I have to admit, maybe it wasn't my original idea. I had a therapist who did that, oh. and I and I found it very very soothing. Yeah, and it did. It, it did help me get into into another state about things. Yeah. Um, but I still find people are quite concerned. Uh, I, I would like to hurry the process of people letting go of it, there being a right way to do stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I wondered, I wondered what seems to you to help the most with that, aside from think, just saying it. <laughs> yes. Well, I think actually having people, I, I, I frequently remind people to take a nice, deep, full breath. Let the belly rise with the breath and breathe out again. And, you know, some, a physical cue like that, that reminds people of a relaxed state, can sometimes cut through that need for perfection more than almost anything else. So always reminding people about the breath, about, you know, attending to their body. The minute you get people focusing their attention to the insides of their bodies, they're going to be out of their head to some extent. And that means they're going to be less self-critical. So there's that, too. And then the music, of course, plays wonderful tricks on that whole dynamic. <laughs> kind of, I know. did want to talk about that because I am, uh, one of my other hats in life is I, I'm a musician and I've been doing some grief workshops uh, oh. I've been doing the music portion, and I do find that if you can get people singing, which is often very hard to do, I'm the last mm-hmm. workshop people sign up for, typically, uh, <laughs> uh, but once once they're singing, even if they're not singers whatsoever, 
there's this kind of immediate access. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe the music, listening to music also has the same kind of impact, not quite as physical, yeah. uh, but that it kind of invites a, uh, a less linear frame, yeah. perhaps. I think, I think music can be a huge mood shifter, um, you know, very quick. And people respond differently, but if somebody said to me, which sense helps you change your mood, I would say hearing music changes my mood. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for for many people. But so, yeah, I think, and, and of course, it is apprehended on that same, you know, wonderful, immersive, hypnotic side of the brain that also negotiates the guided imagery, so... They're like kissing cousins, you know. Mm. And it's also, uh, you know, there's some beautiful music facts that, that I, I live with every day, like the last center of the brain to shut down when you yes. die. And, uh, you know, yes. the, the center that if you study for m- music for a year when you haven't before, uh, the image of your brain will change and no other subject does that. Yeah. Uh, just facts like that captivate me. Yes. And Alzheimer's patients lose so much memory, but usually not music. Right. Right. There was a lovely tape I saw recently of a of a man, pretty late stage Alzheimer's, with his son in the car, uh, singing this gorgeous song perfectly. Every word, every inflection. Yeah. Oh, it was it was just gorgeous. Yeah. So how did how did you did did the music on your tapes get written for them? Yes. Or and yes, how they, how did that come about? I'm very curious. Well, I, I I rolled through four different composers till I found Stephen Mark Cohn, and uh, he, we've been working together ever since for 25 years. But um, it, it was impossible to describe to people what I wanted, um, and I was amazed at how difficult it was to get so good. <laughs> you knew what it wasn't, music. huh? <laughs> it was like, it shouldn't be this hard. And I read all these books about music and healing and, you know, magical keys of C and G for different chakras. And I, I mean, I had all kinds of... Um, Ideas about what would make a good, a good, good underlying musical score. But the fact of the matter is, you just have to find somebody who has the heart for it, and uh, it just happens. And I, I'm blessed to have Steve working to work with. The thing that struck me about it in all the tapes, all the all the imagery I listened to, was that it was both meditative and dynamic. Yeah. Uh, often meditative music is not dynamic. Yes. It's it's very much background and in a way that is kind of uh, smooth. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. But there were moments that stood out in his music and and actually enhanced or add, didn't just underline. or Right. Uh, right. Does that capture it a little bit? <laughs> oh yeah, he's um. I mean, he he just has some. I think the the best 
the most sensitive score is the score for healing trauma. But I mean, he'll change the key at just the right moment, and he'll he'll have this amazing um, musical arrival just as you know in the in the healing cancer tape that people are saying, you know, and the words are saying, and suddenly you are certain, you know, with your whole heart, you are healing. I mean, he just knew what to do. And I also had this, this engineer who also knew how to, you know, it, it used to be cut, cut the reel, <laughs> splice. But now, of course, we have wonderful computers that do this for us. Uh, yes. We can actually do it ourselves. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't, but it we can. <laughs> well, let's hear, a little, let's hear a little bit more. One thing that also captured me was the, uh, the guided imagery for uh, really kind of everyday things. Um, the ones that I've clipped for this segment are the walking, the walking and the sleeping. Uh-huh. Um, that really those staying grounded in our everyday selves in a healthy way. You know, I, I often say if I could only correct one thing for people, it would be sleep. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it affects everything else. So let's sure listen does. to those, and uh, it, unless you want to say something in advance of it. No, no, no. Let's start with walking, and then we'll talk a little and then go to sleeping. You can begin to walk at an easy, thoughtful pace, attending fully to your surroundings, opening all of your senses to the richness of the environment, enjoying the colors, the light, the subtle and elegant arrangements of clouds or trees or grass, sand or rocks, and noticing the play of the way things move in light and shadow, so that you're just taking in the richness of your surroundings with fresh, appreciative eyes with the curious young eyes of a child. I feel as if I'm on a path in the woods right now. Yeah, Yeah, that was sort of a guided walking meditation to just help people pay attention to their, either the way their body feels or the surroundings, how they sense their surroundings and um, just, yeah. And then sleep, as I said, I just, I just consider it so key for people. And of course, I work a lot with grief and trauma and, and sleep, it gets extremely disrupted for most people. That's just a normal, a normal part of it. They're being awakened or adrenaline. They, they can't, you can't sleep because you're just adrenergized up the wazoo, you know. It's yeah, good. and and I, I did happen to um, listen to your sleep uh, guided imagery last night, and I have to tell you, I slept very well. So <laughs> that's an endorsement. Let, let's listen to a little piece of that. Creating a soft and quiet space. 
free of distraction, trustworthy and gentle and safe as they smile at you with caring eyes and maybe touch your brow with a gentle hand arranging the covers just so with the greatest of care and there may even be a special animal loyal and loving to nuzzle your hand resting its head by you to see to your well-being and some might seat themselves around you to guard and protect you in this soft quiet space one thing that stands out about this and every other um, of your meditations guided imagery is the sense of being accompanied yeah. Uh, w- would you talk some about that? Because, you know, when people are traumatized, in grief, uh, struggling, one of the primary things I notice is a sense of, of deep aloneness yeah. and, and loneliness. Um, but let me, let me hear you talk some about always, almost always, I'd say, including that as part of what you're guiding yeah. people towards. Yeah, probably the only one that doesn't have it is general wellness. Um, but I think basically one of the one of the structures I like to work with when I'm devising these is is a Jungian idea of an archetypal figure, some uh, some a figure that's powerful that has magic. You know that the, the, the if you go for the idea that that the key to transformation requires three things. Um, magician energy, um, a sacred space where magic can happen, and some sort of ritual of transformation. So most of the stories, the healing stories I tell, contain that in some either direct or disguised way. And the figures that can sometimes appear, it might be just one, or it might be a whole posse, a whole fan base around you. Uh-huh. But, but either way, it's going to be, it's going to contain the, the magician energy that, that you need to feel powerful enough and energized enough to, make, to help make things happen for yourself. Did, did, I, did I explain that? Oh, beautifully. And it, it what came to my mind as you were talking is that the the level of distress our culture is in mm. um, to me has something to do with uh, not having access to that kind of magic. That's one way yeah. to think about it that because some things are just impossible to imagine healing from yeah. or coping with. And without something, a larger context, some magic, where do we go with it? Yes. And magic in the presence of community sometimes. Like with the trauma tape, you're surrounded by this band of, of it's, it's, a, it's a sacred space that's been created 
by these protectors all around you, and they're bringing you back, you know, the shattered pieces of your heart. But, you, you know, that's the other thing we don't have. We don't have sacred rituals of transformation so much. I mean, a little bit, but they're kind of watered down <laughs> for, for most of us in this culture. Well, they're, they're constipated sometimes, too. Yes. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just at a weekend grief retreat with the wonderful Francis Weller. I don't know if you know Francis oh, I Weller. I don't. I don't. Uh, he, he's written a book called um, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Mm. Quite, quite a beautiful book. Mm. And he, he does grief rituals that are very outstanding. He learned from Maladoma Somme, who's uh, um, yes. East, East African. And I, I was just, for the month or two before I went, I was just saying to myself, I have to go clear out. <laughs> you know, I was just feeling yeah. uh, I needed some magic, basically. And at the end of that weekend, I felt so different. Just being in community and yes. in, in ritual with community made such a difference. And we're so allergic to it or resistant to it yeah. in our everyday life. Um, yeah, but so, right. so vital. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation. <laughs> very unfortunate. <laughs> and and it, it leads to what I'd like to talk about uh, going into the next segment. We're about at our second break here. But uh, you wrote a book that is basically um, about the sixth sense, about psychic ability and intuition, mm-hmm. which people are so um, resistant to, like it's airy-fairy or it's, you know, um, something not of us. And uh, so I really want to bring that into the show because it's such a good resource for people who are struggling in the ways that we're talking about today. So let's let's come to, back to that after the break. Great. And uh, listeners, you can go see me at, at the Good Grief page at Voice America at my weatheringgrief.com website. And to find Bo Ruth Nupperstek, you can go to healthjourneys.com. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening. 
listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Belruth Naperstek, author of several books about guided imagery and a series of wonderful guided meditation tapes that we've been partaking of this hour, uh, addressing issues like sleeplessness, recovering from trauma, grief, forgiveness, several others, health and wellness. Um, And before the break, Belruth, I was uh, saying that I'd like to talk about this idea of psychic ability and and um, intuition, that whole less linear aspect of our living that uh, that gets, I, w- I guess I would say it gets ousted from our lives as if somehow um, it doesn't exist or it's fake, it's, you know. And so I'm, I'm um, curious how you came to be brave as a therapist and <laughs> and write about that, you know, <laughs> come out of the closet a little bit yeah. with, uh, with uh, because it happens all the time. The things you described about uh, what happens in your practice were so familiar yeah. to me. I don't yeah. know how we would do what we do without a certain amount of intuitive leap, at least. Right. Um, right. And, you know... So and it got me thinking about my parents. They were very rational people, but there was that always that little sprinkling of what couldn't be explained that they kind of yeah. kept secret. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Could you talk about how we kind of bring that out and make it accessible for people because it's such a resource? It is a resource, and most people are using it whether they they're aware of it or not. You know, there are very few people that are strictly linear, um, and. I guess as a therapist, the reason it became so clear to me was my clients became the focus of my meditation. I was basically in an altered state when I listened to them. It was a wonderful um, privilege of an experience for me. I couldn't believe people paid me for this. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what you mean about that. (laughs) They were so rich. (laughs) But, um, But I would basically just, you know give up my entire attention to this person who was, you know, telling me his or her story, and I could just sort of let go of judgment, focus on, you know, feelings of love and care for this person, and just listen. And it wasn't that I wasn't doing anything. I would, I, you know, I, I'd been experienced enough to, to know questions to ask, places to go, places not to go. But basically, underneath it all was this meditation on this person. And what I found was, over the years, it got deeper, and I would have these insights about them very quickly. So the work became, it seemed like I was doing less, but the progress was more efficient. And I think that had to do with working with an open heart, which is actually the critical piece, I think, of accessing intuition at will. 
you know, with, with, with safety and boundaries is to just focus on opening the heart. And what I did, um, I wanted this book not to just be, you know, let me tell you how incredibly psychic I am. <laughs> what a, what a lot of these Which is clearly true. <laughs> but, but, but I, so I, I interviewed many people uh, for, who were known to be highly intuitive or psychic or, you know, and I did a lot of networking to find all of these people. And I basically was looking for common, common ground, common ways they accessed this. What did they all do the same? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very informative to me because they taught me, first of all, the conversations were fabulous and a lot of fun, but they also taught me um, this business of going inward and um, opening the heart. Mm-hmm. And and letting go, just letting what comes up without judgment, just watching what comes up, paying attention, setting intention, paying attention. And so I, I was able to sort of basically take that slice of this is what people do just before, during, and just after their sort of intuitive knowing experience. And I tried to, you know, basically formulate that in this book. I also spent months trying to figure out the physics of ESP. Like, what is it? And, what <laughs> is, what, you know, what is the, what is the underlying dynamic in, from the physical world, from the world of energy, waves and packets? And uh, use the work of Itzhak Bentoff, who was a kind of a genius who drew wonderful pictures and, and several other, you know, major, major physics thinkers. And that was the hardest. That's the chapter I liked the best, and it was the hardest to write. I would, mm-hmm. I would think I had gotten it, but it was so abstract that three seconds later I would say to myself, what, what, what was that? <laughs> Absolutely. Was that I've, I've done some of that kind of reading. It feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> what it what the what the book made me very uh very aware of you you had a section in it where you talked about the things that seem to bring that about in people or or enhance it grow it mm-hmm. in people and one of them was trauma yes uh, and it made me think of two of my guests recently who both lost their children traumatically. Mm. Both of them were teenagers. Uh, and they had, at the moment of of finding out, a absolutely radical epif- epiphany, each one of them. They don't know each other as far as, as I know. And that guided the whole process for them. Hmm. And to me, it seemed like that kind of psychic flash that yes. that you talk about in the book yes. Um, yes. could not have been planned, could not have been invited. Even it just happened. Yes. Uh, and the and one in particular, I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. Hers was something. A lot, I'm going to paraphrase a little. I have a life. Huh. And I can see how 
healing that would be as you're feeling this terrible loss. Yeah. To to have that in the background speaking to you. Uh, it's yeah. still speaking to her. I have yeah. a life. That's uh, wonderful. And you could never plan to think that when your 15-year-old had just died. No. <laughs> you know, there, there's just no way someone would imagine they ever could think that. Yes. But that's what came in. So, yeah. so I was thinking a lot about those types of experiences, many of which I've heard about on this show, specifically yeah. related to loss, that people don't factor in in the, in the world. Right. You, you know, it's just, oh, my God, that would be so terrible. But it's a lot of other things, too. It is a lot of other things, too. And it does, I mean, it can open up whole realms of, of um, apprehending the universe that you never knew you would, you would be doing. It's really true. Uh, it's, but, but, you know, it, yeah, you can be, your heart can be shocked open. <laughs> you know, it's like getting, getting, uh, getting um, coded in the hospitals. Your, your heart can be broken open, uh, and some of these amazing things can happen. You know, it's interesting that you said, how could you be, um, you know, how did you get the courage to write about this? I didn't find it that, that um, I wasn't that worried about it. I found people to be really, really interested in it, mm-hmm. even if they hadn't admitted it. And I guess there's enough, there's enough cognitive content in this book that they, they feel somewhat reassured that they're, they're not becoming complete Fruit Loops. When they <laughs> that, you know, this is going on. But, but uh, my experience, especially during the time, right after a few years after this book, when I was giving a lot of workshops on intuition, I just thought people could not get enough of um, this understanding. They loved the meditations that were designed to, to you know, beef up this capability and. I found it people were in some ways more receptive to this than they were to the idea that you can imagine that your white cells are fighting your your tumor and they will actually get more activated, which they, by the way, do. But <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I uh, I'm thinking about a guest I had. Her name is uh, Claire Bidwell Smith. Both of her parents died when she was pretty young, and she had the persistent thought, "Where did they go?" Uh, and she decided to write a book about it. Uh, it's a book called After This. Uh, and she went and sat with a lot of psychics. Uh, that was one. That was a big part of what she did. Yeah. And she's quite a rational type, you know, in general. Um, and she, had, when we got off the the interview about After This, she said, "Cheryl, you have to do it." <laughs> <laughs> So I still have that in my future. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I did that. I, a very dear friend died very suddenly of a horrible accident crossing some railroad tracks, and um, I, there, there were. I was just very sad and also um, very concerned because there were rumors going around that he had killed himself. He had deliberately driven in front of a train, which I didn't believe, but. I still wanted to check it out somehow. So I did this little tour of several psychics to just see, um, 
you know, what they would say, about, they would say. about him. Yeah. You know, that's a perfect moment. I, I can't help but, but have one more clip to end the day. Um, we'll have a few minutes afterwards, but um, very, very short afterwards. Let's play the, the little clip from Heartbreak. Oh. Even this pain will pass. And with a gesture, your guide invites others to come and join you. Generations of ancestors, some familiar, some not, forming a deep circle of protection all around you. More and more arriving, creating stronger and stronger layers of protection. And you can sense that this is your tribe, your family, invested in your strength and well-being, because parts of them now reside in you. Layers of distilled cellular intelligence, refined and recombined through the generations to form you the exquisite end product of their familial longing. And you know that these are the ones who will see you through this with a bone-deep primal commitment to your healing. Yes. <laughs> it's the only word in my mind now is yes that that idea of being accompanied that way it so feels so beautiful oh thank you yeah and i like the idea of ancestors that go way back you know that that are part of your identity and that that can't be undone that cannot be undone it's in your bones and they're they're here with you and for you now I really want to thank you so much for being here today. I don't feel like an hour was enough, so maybe we'll have to meet again sometime when you're working on a project, Bell Ruth. Thank you so much, and thank you for, for, for really looking into what I do. A lot of interviewers don't, and it, it's been delightful for me, so thank you. Wonderful. You're, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and to find Bell Ruth, you can go to HealingJourneys.com. Health Journeys. Health. I'm sorry, health journey. That's a different outfit. Very good, but a different outfit. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. Next week, I'm going to welcome back Mariana Cacciatore. She's been with me a few times on the show, more than any other guest. And uh, she first interviewed me for my very first show to tell my own story. Then I interviewed her about her book, Being with Someone in Grief, and interviewed her about another book she was writing about grief, generosity, and love. She's developed a nine-month program entitled The Way of Love, Generosity, and Grief, which will elaborate on the concepts in her upcoming book, the same title. And I love the subtitle of the book, An Intimate Portrayal of Stitching the Heart Back Together. Oh, indeed. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. 
Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.